Unfolding the eternal excellences, the hidden insights of the truth and the depth of the riches of wisdom and knowledge. The Bible says, I have cleansed thee by the word. I have not pointed to your weaknesses. He says, I have cleansed thee by the word. I have pointed to your strength. And this is your strength, that I am Christ in you, the hope of glory. The glory of freedom, the glimpses into eternity. The gospel is not supposed to be an assumption. It's not supposed to be just a mere presupposition. Truth is older than language, but the word of God is way deeper than any human language. And now, Apostle Grace with the word. Our reading is taken tonight in the Gospel of St. Mark, the 14th chapter, from about the third verse. Being in Bethany, in the house of Simon the leper, as he sat at meat there, that is Jesus, there came a woman having an alabaster box of ointment of spikenard, very precious, and she broke the box and poured it on his head. And there were some that had indignation within themselves and said, why was this waste of the ointment made? For it might have been sold for more than 300 pence and had been given to the poor. And they murmured against her for her actions. And Jesus said in the sixth verse, let her alone. Why trouble her? She has wrought a good work on me. For ye have, verse 7, underline that, the poor with you always, and whensoever ye will, ye may do them good, but me, ye have not me always. Underline that verse 7. Ye have the poor with you always. You have the poor with you always. And whenever you can or are given an opportunity, Please do them good. God has called us to bless the poor, to feed the poor, the hungry, those that lack fees and the rest. God has called you as a conduit to be able to bless the poor. Today, I want to speak about poverty from another perspective. I have shared a sermon recently on unmasking the spirit of poverty. In there, I am unmasking the spirit of poverty. I'm showing you its face, its color, its tribe, everything that represents the spirit of poverty. How you can know that a man is poor, or the signs, the things that happen around a man's life when they are dealing with a spirit of poverty. I'm not going to be so far from that sermon, but I'm going to go a bit deeper than usual to open your eyes to understand what poverty is, why and how it works in the lives of people, the results of poverty in our lives individually, how to understand it from a biblical perspective, because some of you or many of us actually understand poverty from a wild mindset interpretation from a carnal understanding, from a fallen nature. is how people define poverty. But when you understand it from the eyes of God, it is revealing and redeeming. Like he has said, there will always be poor people among you. There will always be poor people among you. There will always be poor people with you always. In Deuteronomy, the 15th chapter, the 11th verse, the Bible says, if you will read the message version, he says, there are always going to be poor and needy people among you. So he says, so I command you always to be generous, open paths and hands, give to your neighbors in trouble, your poor and hard neighbors. They will always be poor and needy people among you. Have you noticed that in both portions of scriptures, either in Deuteronomy or in Mark, as I read, he did not say that you shall be poor. Oh, I don't know whether I'm preaching. He did not say that you will be poor. He said, you will always have poor people among you. 
among you. So that means poverty in the New Testament is a choice. You just choose to be poor. You know, somebody might even get offended and say, how did I choose it? I come from a poor family. I have this and I have that. Yes, you might not be responsible for the family that you were born into, the circumstances and conditions that brought you in here. Or perhaps somebody frustrated your journey, your career was frustrated. Somebody killed a person who was supposed to take you to school. That is granted. But when you become a new creation, when you become a child of God, when you're born not of flesh or blood, not the will of man, but by the Spirit, poverty is a choice. Somebody shout hallelujah. It is a choice. It is a choice. And so today I want to speak to our spirits to provoke us. For those of you who have that kind of experience to be delivered from poverty totally. Somebody shout hallelujah. To be delivered from the spirit of poverty totally. To deal with poverty and chase it out of your home, out of your life for good. Somebody shout hallelujah. Because some of us think we understand, but many of us don't have the understanding of how to deal with the spirit of poverty. You can tell by how you're living. And in the sermon that I preached a couple of weeks ago on unmasking the spirit of poverty, I give the signs of a poor person. You understand? Now, before I delve into opening our eyes and delivering many of us from that experience, because some of you, even after hearing, perhaps you're still dealing with some things, or some of you, it's the first time you're tuning in. See? I want to take some time to help us understand why the spirit of poverty is a demon spirit. Some people think poverty is just a state. It's a state. Some people call poverty a state. Some people don't understand that poverty is a spirit. Some have not appreciated that it's a spirit and an evil spirit from hell. But you can tell by what poverty does to a man. I'm going to give you about five things. And by the time I'm done with those five things, if you've hated poverty, you're going to hate it more. If you are compromising with it, or if you did not mind it, by the time I'm done by giving you those five things, you're going to hate it to the core, that you're going to want to come out in Jesus' mighty name. Somebody shout hallelujah. So there are five things that the Lord showed me that poverty does to a man. In the previous sermon, I preached about the signs, the things that work in the life of a person to show that they're dealing with the spirit of poverty. But what I'm going to give you tonight are the five things that are as a result of the spirit of poverty working in the life of a man or poverty functioning in the life of a man for some time. When poverty lives with a man, these are the five things that it does to a man. And when I read them and the Lord said to show them to me, I became so angry that I hated poverty. I hated anything called poverty. I understood the darkness that comes in that spirit. And I pray that tonight you'll understand it because I know uh, people who are so self-righteous that they even justify poverty. Oh, I also know Christians who look to the wrong lines of scripture, not because in its own scripture is wrong, but their vision toward the portion of scripture is wrong. Their vision toward the portion of scripture, the interpretation of that portion is wrong. You know, somebody can say, ah, you know, wealth is not everything. I agree. It's not everything. But would you rather be poor? You understand what I'm saying? So some, like as you say, certain truths are above other truths. And you have to be established in certain truths before you speak of other truths. 
Do you understand what I'm saying? You have to be established in certain truths before you are established in other truths. Let us get a man wealthy and let us teach them to live a balanced life, to understand the judgments of God on wealth. You understand? I know there are people who make prayers like Solomon prays in Proverbs, don't give me wealth, neither poverty. So they say, because I might forget you, you know, don't make me so rich, I might forget you. No, 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 you must know where he was speaking from and at what age that revelation came to him. Because some people don't know that when he wrote Song of Songs, he was at a different age in life from when he writes Proverbs. And he was at a different age in life from when he writes Ecclesiastes. If I can open for you the Bible, I can show you the progression of Solomon and the wisdom of God operating on his life. If you understand it, you'll never pray that God, give me neither poverty, nor riches. Feed me with food convenient for me. That's so selfish. So if you have only just enough food for you, what about the people in your house? And why in the end does he become one of the richest kings we know in history if he only asked for enough wealth? If he only asked for enough riches, why does he become one of the richest kings that we know in history? He later got the understanding of God's mind on it. Of course, we also know people who say prosperity, the gospel of prosperity. No, 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 there's nothing wrong about prosperity if you're living a righteous life. But I also know poor people who are evil. Somebody shout hallelujah. Say, I'm free from the spirit of poverty. So, these are the five things. Number one, the spirit of wisdom on a poor man is despised and forgotten. That's why I hate poverty. The spirit of wisdom on a poor man is despised and forgotten. No matter how wise you are, if you're poor, your wisdom is despised. Somebody shout hallelujah. Let's open Ecclesiastes chapter 9 verses 13. And if you read the Amplified Version, he said, This illustration of wisdom have I seen also under the sun, and it seemed great to me. There was a little city with few men in it, and a great king came against it and besieged it and built great bulwarks against it. But there was found in it a poor wise man, and he, by his wisdom, the Bible says, delivered the city. Yet, Amplified says, no man seriously remembered that poor man. Verse 16, but I say that wisdom is better than might, though the poor man's wisdom is despised and his words are not heeded. It doesn't matter how wise you are. If you're poor, your wisdom becomes useless. If it is not despised, it is forgotten. That means you cannot instruct with poverty, no matter how rich you are. Of course, wisdom is better than might, and some people only quote that portion of Scripture. But when the man of Ecclesiastes is writing, he doesn't end there and puts a full stop. He also puts a comma and says, though a poor man's wisdom is despised and his words are not hidden. So, though you are wise, though you have this intelligent mind working up your head, it's important for you to understand that when you are dealing with a spirit of poverty, it does not matter how much wisdom you carry. It can be despised. Even if you're giving the wisest opinion, it can be despised, can be forgotten. It cannot sit in the heart. That is why if you find a man who is rich, it doesn't matter whether they're speaking foolish, it's easy for people to consume it. 
Because that's what the spirit of poverty does and the spirit of wealth does on a man. When you are wealthy, whatever you speak comes with a certain authority. It's not despised or forgotten. Where would you rather be? Answer me. Somebody shout hallelujah. This is why I hate poverty. Because you cannot justify the wisdom of God operating on your life and neither do you have the audacity to speak in the authority of that wisdom because you're poor. It silences you in the places where you have opinion and have the mind to speak. So yes, the city was delivered by a poor wise man. Thank you for your deliverance. That means your successes are not weighed or remembered. Your successes of wisdom are not weighed or remembered. Somebody shout hallelujah. And this is why I hate poverty. Wisdom looks so good on a rich man. Wisdom looks so good on a wealthy woman. Somebody shout hallelujah. That is why he could not allow Solomon to stay poor. Because you cannot be the wisest man and you're poor. Wisdom does not look good on poor people. So even if you ask God, just give me enough for me. Give me only food convenient for me. With the wisdom on your life, he will not let it. That is why God jealously preserves wise men into wealth. Somebody shout hallelujah. Because he knows how wealth looks on a poor woman. So what do you do? Get wisdom. But also understand how the principle of wealth works. Somebody shout hallelujah. Number two, when a man is poor, they become a target of the wicked. The wicked mark to destroy you. The wicked mark to harm you. You become a target, an obvious target of the wicked. Psalms chapter 10 verses 4. The Bible says that the wicked, through the pride of his countenance, will not seek after God. God is not in all his thoughts. His ways are always grievous. Thy judgments are far above out of his sight as all of his enemies. He puffeth at them. Verse 6, he has said in his heart, I shall not be moved, for I shall never be in adversity. His mouth is full of cursing and deceit and fraud. Under his tongue is mischief and vanity. Verses 8, he sitteth in the lurking places of villages, in the secret places, doth he murder the innocent. His eyes are privately set against the poor. When a man has a spirit of wickedness, when a spirit of wickedness gets onto a man, it always targets the poor. So if you're poor, you'll always be a victim of wicked people. You'll always be a victim of wicked people. The most wicked people will seek to harm you because there's a way wickedness looks for poor people. Somebody shout hallelujah. Say, I refuse to be poor. Somebody shout hallelujah. Psalms 37 verses 14. The Bible says, The wicked have drawn out the sword and have bent their bow to cast down the poor and needy and to slay such as be of upright conversation. But what are they doing? They're bowing their sword to cast down the poor and needy. It's so sad. That is why it is hard for poor people to get justice. And I mean that God does not fight for them. We have to fight for the poor. Why does God fight for the poor? Why does he seek to give justice to the poor? Because he knows when you're dealing with the spirit of poverty, justice becomes so expensive. A man can unfairly treat you and you have no way through. 
So if you're poor and sadly you don't know God, it's even worse. You'll never win a court case. You'll never win anything except God comes onto your side. But when you are poor, you are an obvious target of the wicked. And I tell you, this world can be so wicked. When somebody wants to grab land, they grab yours. When somebody wants to take of anything, they'll take of yours. Why? Because you're poor. When a man wants to do wickedness, his eyes look for poor men. That's what I'm trying to say. His eyes look for poor men. That is why I hate the spirit of poverty. Somebody shout hallelujah. Number three. The spirit of poverty attracts rejection. Now that is powerful. That is powerful. You know, people come and they say, oh, Apostle, I don't know why, but at my workplace, eh, my bosses reject me. My friends reject me. You create friendship with somebody and they want nothing to do with you. You do everything to be a good person at your workplace. You do everything to be a good person in your school. You're doing everything you can to be a good person in your community, in your neighborhood. But you find that you are dealing with the spirit of rejection. People hate you even without any cause. Somebody looks at you and they just don't like you. Somebody shout fire. Proverbs 19 verses 4. The Amplified Version. It says, Wealth makes many friends. But the Bible says, but the poor man is avoided <laughs> by his neighbor. Somebody say, far from me. It's rejection. It's a spirit of rejection. Somebody comes and tells you, Apostle, pray against rejection. I hate rejection. I hate this spirit. Cast it out. How long will it be in my life? I refuse to be. I cast it out. You're poor. That's what poverty does. Get money. You'll not look for friends. Tell your neighbor, get money. You'll not look for friends. Are you hearing me? And then you hear people say like, but you see, so that means they're not your friend because they're your friends because of what you have. Duh. Would you tune in if I was poor? <laughs> Hallelujah. Thank God that the gifts and callings of God are without repentance. What he gave you, he cannot take away. Somebody shout hallelujah. And then you want to sort of justify it in some way and put some logical sense of, I don't want people who love me for my own wealth. I don't want people. You're joking. You're joking. You don't know human beings. Listen, human beings are fallen in the flesh. Only those who are redeemed by God and have built a certain relationship can love you for who you are. But again, they must be able to behold that treasure in earthen vessel that the excellence of power might be of God. Do you know why you're lovable born again? Because God put something in you. Even God knew that just being born again was not enough. He had to put something in you. He put the Holy Spirit in there. He put a light that shines in darkness. Somebody shout hallelujah. He put some salt in you. <laughs> you understand? He put value on you. When you became born again, you got some value on you. He said you were bought with a price. Somebody shout amen. amen. Wealth makes many friends. But the poor man is avoided by his neighbor. Some of you are not ugly. You're just poor. You're not bad looking. You're just poor. 
Somebody shout fire. fire. Proverbs 19 verses 7. If you read again from the Amplified Version. He says, all the brothers of a poor man detest him. How can you just be hated? Without cause. How can you be hated without cause? All the brothers of a poor man detest him. How much more do his friends go far from him? He pursues them with words and they are gone. You're the one sending text messages to people on WhatsApp and Facebook. Hi, you're lost. Why aren't they looking for you? Why are you the one looking for people? Somebody shout hallelujah. Some people want to switch off their phones because they're getting many texts. Others, your battery doesn't run out because nobody texts you. Somebody shout hallelujah. Am I offending or reviving? Somebody shout hallelujah. So how do you just be there and you have a phone and nobody, one day, two days, three days, same battery. Nothing is even changing. And you say, huh, now let me start. Hi, Rita. Hi, Robert. You're the one looking for people. They're not looking for you. Even look at your WhatsApp and then they look away. That's poverty. That's what poverty does to a man. Why? Because for some, they think you're going to ask for rent. For some, they think you're going to ask for food. For some, they simply realize you actually have no plot. There's nothing you're going to add to that conversation except wasting their data. There's nothing out of you that can add to them. That it takes great humility and divine responsibility for them to answer you. Because God told us to look after the poor. Are you hearing what I'm trying to say? He says, defend the poor and the fatherless. Then you say, okay, let me just answer his call. Oh, her call. Somebody shout hallelujah. But when God puts something on you, when God puts something on you, they'll even pay for your airtime that you'll never use. Somebody shout hallelujah. I don't know who pays for my airtime, but it's been close to five years. I don't buy airtime. I don't even know who. I can't tell you who. I just find that my phone has a lot of airtime. That would take me years to call. Somebody shout hallelujah. And there's somebody believing God for. You're even serving those of you Africans understand this. Those of you who are in Europe, you might not get this. Somebody shout hallelujah. Say, I refuse to be poor. I refuse it. I refuse it. I refuse it. Mm -hmm. Number four, the spirit of poverty brings distraction. It attracts the spirit and sense of destruction. When you are dealing with poverty, it's easy to have destruction around you and destruction in many ways. I'm going to explain that. In Proverbs chapter 10, the 15th verse, the Bible says the rich man's wealth is his strong city and the destruction of the poor is their poverty. Wow. Are you reading what I'm reading? How can that be of God? How can it be the will of God for you to be poor when the destruction of the poor is their poverty? Poverty comes with a spirit of destruction. There's somebody who lost a job and started drinking alcohol or taking drugs to isolate themselves from that frustration. And there, they start destroying their body. One day, their liver is damaged or carrying sicknesses because of what they're taking. But where did it begin from? He sat at night for two, three, four, five weeks 
and asked himself how he was going to move on from that poverty. And he chose the easier route to find something that takes his thoughts away from the troubles of life and therein became destruction. There is a woman who had two or three children and she woke up one day and her babies drank water the first day and the second day and then she went on the streets and sold her body because it was the only way she could provide for her babies. She's not perverse per se, but she never saw a way out. And even if it meant contracting a sexually transmitted disease, and tomorrow she would find herself in hospital paying a lot of money because of her actions. Her destruction happened because she was looking for a way out. I cannot mention how many people are in wrong relationships because they were dealing with the spirit of poverty and they're destroyed because they were poor. I cannot tell you how many people did the wrong courses or some even fell out of school early because they were poor and they chose destructive behavior. And right now, things around them are destroyed because they are poor. The poor man's destruction is his poverty. God has not intended us to be poor because with that comes destruction. This is serious. This is serious, saints. It's very serious. The fifth, and this is going to ache you. This is so painful. The spirit of poverty positions you last, L-A-S-T, positions you last in the work of providence and gives you the worst part of all harvest. It positions you last in the work of providence and gives you the worst part of all harvest. As the instruction is given in Leviticus, the 19th chapter, the 9th verse, if you will read the Amplified Version, it says, And when you reap the harvest of your land, thou shall not reap your field to its very corners, neither shall you gather the fallen ears or gleanings of your harvest, for he says, and you shall not glean your vineyard bare, neither shall you gather its fallen grapes. You shall leave them for the poor and the stranger. He says, I am the Lord, your God. I don't think some of you understood it. Read the message version of the same. He says, when you harvest your land, don't harvest right up to the edge of your field or gather the gleanings from the harvest. Verses 10 says, don't strip your vineyard bare or go back and pick up the fallen grapes. Leave them for the poor. You get the worst of every harvest. Leave them for the poor. It positions you last in the way and work of providence. Let me explain what that means. There's a phone that has come out right now. Your Samsung Galaxies and iPhones and all these things. There's new phones that are on the market. And if you're poor, you're not going to have one. I'm just giving an example. And that phone will take a year, two years in supply, three years in supply, fourth year. Either somebody will give it to you as a gift, second hand, of which you'll even kneel down and weep and say, I don't believe that I finally have a smartphone. Are you hearing me? Or you will find it in a shop refurbished in its second-hand state. And then 
now because you've dreamt of having that phone finally you'll have it you have had the last and worst part of that harvest by the time in the fourth year of that phone's existence and model you're having it and you're even celebrating and even getting slain by the spirit of god because you got that phone the people in that year are buying the newest technology that means you are last even though you don't know it The clothes they are making are not for you. They'll come after four years when we have a new cloth. The houses they're designing are not for you. The newest cars in the world, they are not for you. They are for somebody else who comes first somewhere in this order of provision. Because some people don't understand that the work of provision has an order. And some people receive things first before others. They don't all receive them at the same time. And there are laws that govern when a man receives and how he receives. Somebody shout hallelujah. When he said, whether Apollos or Paul, whether things present or things to come are all yours. Do you know what that means? Do you know what that means? It means that God has placed an ownership on anything that should come. Invention, innovation, idea, scientific biological, whichever it is, economic, whichever is coming in the future, God has given you possession of it so that when you belong in that future, it's yours. Somebody shout hallelujah. Somebody say, it's mine. Say it again, it's mine. The things present are mine. Yes, the things new are mine. The things to come are mine. Yeah, there's somebody already offended. Why is he even teaching this? People have their own issues. They are dying out there. Listen, I've preached sermons on faith. The people I'm talking to are not sick. I've preached healing. But we also have people who are healthy in their body. But they are dealing with issues. Somebody shout fire. fire. So that's exactly what I'm trying to say. How can you be positioned last in the work of providence? The grapes that are fallen, he said, leave them for the poor. They are fallen. They're on the ground. Don't pick them. Leave them for the poor. So you eat the fallen grape because you're dealing with the spirit of poverty. Somebody shout hallelujah. How can you be last in everything? Why should they plan for everyone except you? Why should they provide for everyone first except you? No, you should be first on that list. That's what a spirit of wealth does. It puts you first on consideration. When they are making, they are making for people like you. There are companies in the world, when they make their products, they don't sell them to the rich. They give them free. Because it's important for some people to have those products. It's enough advertisement for them. There are people who live in the world not to pay anything. Because whatever company makes whatever it makes, for them it's an advantage to be given to them for free. Their companies, the moment they make certain cars, they don't sell them to some people. No, they give them to certain people because it's important for those people to drive them. It will give that car a certain status. It will give that car a certain attraction. Meraki. The thing on that man extended on that car is enough for them to buy it. Why? Because a certain person has it. Says that they can say that you drive the same car that drives uh-huh oh some of you lost it you didn't put your name you didn't put your name glory to god you cannot be positioned last 
you should not be positioned last. It's not your portion. It's not your portion. Do you know that in the world you don't see the men who are already planning for your nation? Do you know in the world you don't see there are men who are planning for the continent that you're living on? Do you know that in the world you don't see the people who are planning for your generation? And in how you position yourself determines whether their plans are going to fall in agreement with your vision or you're just going to be an outsider watching the world moving. Many people are isolated from what is happening. Many people are even isolated from the way of providence. They're vagabonds on the earth. They are beggars. They're beggars. They're isolated from all the providence that is taking place in the earth. And as this is happening, the world is moving ahead. Everything is gaining its price and value. The things that you bought in 1990 at the price you bought them are not at that price anymore. The world has moved on from there. The question is, are you moved? Have you evolved as well? Or you're still stuck to that place of provision? You're still stuck in the last of the harvest. So everything that is being released on the earth, all the provisions that are being poured out on the earth right now, there are people who are benefiting from them and there are people who are just observing people moving on. Oh, you know, COVID season was so bad for us. Nothing. We didn't do anything in business. We didn't do anything in business. But there are people who have excelled in COVID. There are people who have made more money in COVID. They people who have built things in COVID. They're advancing. We're moving on. But some of you are stuck somewhere. And the moment everyone is provided for and they're in the comfort of divine providence, then we shall remember you. You start picking fallen grapes. Fallen provisions. That means that you eat what others don't want anymore. You take what others don't need anymore. Because God has mandated those who come first to look after the poor. He says, don't forget them. So they wear and give. They use and give. They consume and give. You're the one putting on second-hand shoes. You're the one putting on second-hand clothes. And how can that be the will of God? <laughs> Listen, religion is a very bad spirit. Did he not say you shall be the heads and not the tail? Did he only mean that you'll excel in class and have 100% in every paper and then nation in life, fail in life? No, that's not what he said. But we went to school with some of the greatest students and they're living like slaves now. Because slaves are the people who are considered last in every order when they're planning for a household. So it's not that because you excelled in school, therefore there's a guarantee that you're going to make it in the way of life. Some of the richest people in the world are not even educated. Are you agreeing or disagreeing? You agree. You see what I'm saying? But how can you be last? How can they think about everyone to promote except you? And then you don't understand that something, something, something is happening in there. But to know what to do and then come through with it is most important. That's why when you look at the Bible, Jesus dealt with poverty for the believer. That's why I said now you choose to be poor. Jesus dealt with poverty for the believer once and for all. No believer should say I'm poor. No believer should live poor, except if they want to be poor in the confusion that that poverty will earn them a certain righteousness and a certain place because they're missing 
misinterpreted or misquoted scripture, but God has not intended anyone to be poor. God has not created you to be in debt. He has created you to lend. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, we all read it. He said that, For ye know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that ye through his poverty might be rich. That is a very powerful thing. Can somebody just take five seconds and scream for that? Come on, celebrate God. Celebrate God that that portion of scripture exists. He said, you know the grace. He looked at you and you didn't look good poor. And the Bible says that he was made poor or he became poor that for your sex through his poverty ye might be rich so when you become born again you are born in wealth whether you see it or not somebody shout hallelujah in Deuteronomy he speaks of how he shall open for you of that good treasure that's what he has created for you that's what he has ordained for every child of God that he shall provide for you your basket and your store he says shall be blessed somebody shout hallelujah he says you'll be blessed when you go in and you'll be blessed when you go out refuse to be poor tell anybody refuse to be poor yeah because he says he became poor he said no 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 when I see listen he died for your sins and for your poverty if it wasn't serious he would not have become poor if poverty was not serious, Jesus would, not, would have said, no, money or not, you're going to heaven. But he looked at it and says, nah, I don't want them sick. That's important. I'm wounded for their transgressions. I don't want them sick. I'm bruised for their iniquities. I don't want them sick. I don't want them to lose peace. That's the wounding and bruising. But then he also shed another degree of blood. The scripture says, they put a crown of thorns on his head. And of course, when it's put, there's a prick. And the pricking also defined a certain shedding of blood. Some people know only the lashes of the back for our sicknesses. But they don't see that that brow bled as well. Because remember in Genesis, when God is pronouncing a curse on the fallen man, he says that out of the sweat of your brow, the Bible says you shall eat. Out of the sweat of your brow, you shall eat. So when he saw that he does not want you to sweat, to make wealth, he allowed that they might make of thorns and thistles that crown. And the Bible says that it was placed on his head. And they say, behold, this king. But they don't know what they're doing. He's allowing that when a thorn comes through that forehead and he bleeds, he's saying, you will never be poor another day. That's what he's saying, that you will never be poor another day. That's what he's saying. So you might ask, when did he become poor? Jesus lived a very wealthy life. He was a rich man. So when did he become poor? At the cross. For that moment only for your sake. Yeah? Even he could not be comfortable <laughs> living with luck. I mean, a man who feeds 5,000 people with just two fish and five loaves of bread. Is that man poor? 
A man who can send somebody into the mouth of a fish and he tells it, when you get there, you'll get enough money for me and you. Is that man poor? No. He had his own house. He told them, even when I sent you without anything, he says, did you lack? And they said, we did not lack anything. The thing on him would provide for anybody around him. How would Peter have accepted to leave fishing and follow this man? These men had wives and children. You mean they were just following a man and they were just poor? No, they were not poor. Although they had the poor among them. <laughs> Somebody shout hallelujah. But they were not what? Yeah, he sent them without a pass, without script, without shoes, and they lacked nothing. Luke 22, 25. He says, did you lack anything? And everybody says, they said they lacked nothing. They lacked nothing. Because the kingdom of God has not been created for you to lack. Let me tell you, before you even get a job, some of you think that you need to graduate for this to work in your lives. Then you don't understand what God has done. Some think that you need to get a job to understand this. I know that it's offensive for people who think that the only way you can make wealth is to work. Work hard, it's important. I'm a hard worker, all of us are hard workers. But we work hard as a response to the blessing, not to be blessed. No, we are responding to the blessing. Somebody shout hallelujah. We're hard workers because we're blessed men. We're not hard workers so we can be blessed. Nuh-uh. No, 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 that's not the order. He was made poor that I might become rich, that through his poverty, it might redound to my wealth. I have no reason to think poor. I have no reason to live poor. I have no reason to even imagine me poor. You know, some of you just sit there and then, you know, it's amazing how Satan works. I know people who just sit there and they imagine when they're poor. They imagine when they've lost everything they have. Or they even imagine that they have stayed that way for 10 years, or they will stay that way for five years. It's amazing what Satan has planted in the minds of believers. Now, it doesn't matter whether you go on prayer mountain and fast for a thousand days or a thousand years. Why do we do the principles? Why do we give our tithes and fast fruits and all these kinds of things? Recently, I was dealing with a group of Christians who were saying, oh, you know, that tithe thing, it's not in the New Testament. It's not a grace message thing. Some people are getting destroyed because of misinterpretation of the scriptures. There is nothing legal about the tithe because the tithe did not begin with Moses. The law was brought by Moses. There is nothing legal. So you cannot say that me, I'm under grace. I'm not under the law. So I don't believe in the tithing. It's not there in the New Testament. You just don't know how to interpret scripture. There is nothing, I repeat, legal about the tithe. Nothing. You go back and read scripture. You will see that the first tithers, Jacob, Abraham, those men lived before the law. So, where did they get that revelation from? Was it inspired by the law? It wasn't an inspiration of the law. So, why are you even connecting these two? Tell me any man you know who doesn't do the principle of the tithe and they are men of God and they're not struggling financially. They're struggling somewhat. Somebody shout hallelujah. So, do your principles. Give your tithes, give your first fruits, be faithful in your giving. Remember the poor. Paul always tells us, always remember the poor. It's your responsibility to make sure that you help that brother and sister to come out of poverty. But if you are to remember the poor, again, don't misinterpret scripture. Besides giving them, because some of us in giving the poor, we have funded rebellion. The first thing you should do for a poor person is to teach them. It's the best thing you can give them before you give them the physical food and clothing. Teach them. 
Somebody comes to you for food, first open the Bible for them. They came to you. If they don't want to listen to you, let them not take your money as well. Jesus said, the Spirit of the Lord has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. Why did he first teach them? Because he realized that their problem was a knowledge issue, not their place of lack. So don't victimize them and leave them in that mode of thinking that for them poverty is just a state. No, it's a place of revelation. He says, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, to the poor, to the poor, to the poor, to the poor. We need to teach them first. Right now, I'm delivering somebody from a poverty mentality. Somebody's getting free to understand what Jesus finally did. You know, because we have Christians who think that it is holy to be poor or it's okay to be poor. It is not okay to be poor because poverty is a spirit from hell. It's never the mind of God for his children. Do you know how many people's ministries are frustrated because the wisdom of God operating on their lives comes in the face of a poor man, a face of a poor woman, so I tell them, no, as you're teaching wisdom, believe God for wealth too. Understand the principles that make you wealthy. I've taught these things. I've taught uh, someone called principles of divine providence. There are five parts. If you've not listened to them, go on the app or get the CD and listen to it. But we refuse to be poor. No man listening to the message can be poor. Recently, I was meditating. And I remembered many of you for the years that I've been with you, five, six, seven years. And I remembered where you were, how you slept, how you dressed. I remember some of you and your old, you know, bags and your dirty wigs because they were recycled for many years and your old shoes. But you came, you were faithful. You listened to God, whether the, you know, and somebody comes with a torn bag and they don't even give a damn whether it's torn. They just came to receive the word. And then I hear them telling me, oh, I bought a car. I bought a house. I'm building here. I'm buying this. I got a shop. And I get excited. Recently we were somewhere and I was in a parking lot and the whole parking lot was full. And I told one pastor of ours and I told him, look, can you believe I know the car of every individual here? And all of them, by the time they joined the ministry, they were walking. They didn't have anything. They didn't even have cars. But we even, sometimes we can't park. We have no parking enough for you because something is happening. As the word of God comes in your spirit, poverty is leaving you. Tell your neighbor, I refuse to be poor. I walked before students in university. And I started preaching the gospel. And I invited some men of God. And some of them said, uh-uh, we cannot go to universities. University students are poor. And I said, uh-uh, me, I see the treasure in these guys. Let me preach the gospel. And we started preaching to them while they were putting on shorts and slippers. They get slain and the guy is waking up to look for his slipper. Are you hearing me? Because we believed something was big in these people. Now, those same people are the biggest funders of Fanero. Somebody shout hallelujah. They are giving by the billions and billions and billions and millions of dollars every year. The same people who are students and they had nothing, but they believed the message. They believed the message. Tell your neighbor, believe the word of God. Somebody might say, oh, you know, but how come I don't have results? Number one, the fraction of those with results against those who don't have results is clear to show that this message works. But number two, you're also fulfilling scripture. We'll always have the poor among us. You choose Choose to be. You keep a nasty attitude and an unteachable spirit. Stay rebellious against the will of God and keep a deceived mindset. You'll stay poor. But as for me and my house, we refuse to be poor. As anybody at the sound of my voice submitted to this ministry, you will never be poor. 
Let them hate us for being wealthy. And let us give to the poor. Let us feed the hungry. Let us preach the gospel in Uganda. Let us fund the TV stations across the world. Let millions and hundreds of thousands of people come to the saving knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ as we put our money in the gospel. And let us let them speak. But what we cannot do is to stay poor. We don't like poverty. We hate the smell of poverty. Oh, somebody shout hallelujah. You know the next conversation? We're planning for the world now. Not for your homes anymore. No, we're going to extend our faith. Are you hearing me? We're going to start having conversations of lending to nations. Yes, and it will come in Jesus' name. Because somebody, somebody believes it. Somebody believes it. Somebody believes it. I refuse that you stay in debt. May God pay it off for you. May he align you in the name of Jesus. Come and raise your voice and speak to God. 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 To God be the glory. To God be glory to God be the glory speak to God for the things he has done help me quiet with his blood he has His power, He has raised me to God. Come on, speak to God. Be the glory for the things He. We're taking it higher. Oh, to God be the glory. Be the glory. Come and say, by his blood, that he has saved me, by his power, he has raised me to God, be the glory for the things. 
pray for you today in the mighty name of Jesus that you will never be poor. You'll never walk with a poverty mentality. In fact, as I'm speaking, I see wealth enter in the lives of people. I know who I'm talking about. I'm a man of God. I see wealth enter in the lives of people like nobody in your family lineage has ever seen, like nobody in your family lineage has ever imagined or even dreamed. And all of that is to the glory of God and the expansion of his kingdom, not for you and your convenience. Because wealth comes with responsibility. I thank God because your debts are being cleared right now and they're going to be forgiven. Oh, God is going to make a way for them to be paid. I thank God because provision is coming for your education. Provision is coming for your projects. God is giving you the money you need. God is giving you the job you need. He's opening opportunities for you right now. In Jesus' mighty name, we have prayed and believed and all said, said, come on, clap your hands to Jesus. If you have never given your life to Christ, I want to give you an opportunity to receive him as your Lord and Savior. The Bible is clear. There is no name given among men where which men are saved. Save the name of Jesus Christ. You just need to repeat this as after me. Just say, Lord Jesus, I thank you because you shed your blood for my sins and was raised for my glory. Tonight, I receive you as my personal Lord and Savior and born again. The message you have just heard was brought to you by Fenero Ministries International. For more information, contact us on telephone number 041-466-4291 or email us at fenerocompala at gmail.com. You can also find us on the web at www.fenero.org. Or better still, feel free to join us every Thursday for our weekly fellowships at Uma Multipurpose Hall from 5 p.m. to 8 p.m. You can also catch the live stream at livestream.com slash Fenero. Fenero. Make manifest.